The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to do what? To work it and to keep it. He then made a third command, be fruitful and multiply. So we are to cultivate or labor. We are to protect and sustain and we are to be fruitful and increase. This is what God gave each of us in labor. Because without labor, there can be no prosperity. But something happened, didn't it? It was the fall. Instead of following God's way, Adam and Eve followed their own way and brought sin and death into creation because of their own sin. And now, what was immediately impacted as God had cursed the ground, He cursed the serpent, was our labor, wasn't it? He said that now we will labor by the sweat of our brow, right? And through the thorns and thistles as the, all of creation was suffering under the bondage of sin and death. Work no longer came easy. It was a struggle. And so that is what we're in the midst of, is laboring. It would seem that it should come a lot easier. How many would vote for that? <laughs> but we have to work by the sweat of our brow. We have to labor. We have to toil. Not, things resist our work and our efforts because everything is in the process of decay and dying under the weight of sin and death. But Christ came to restore and break the curse. Amen? So what is Labor Day? What do we do to labor? There are three things that we were made to do. Number one, cultivate, labor, work, toil, and to create. That is what we were made to do. Whatever is your creative gifting, whatever is your ability, some of you are amazing bricklayers. Some of you deliver the mail like nobody else. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are drivers. Some of you work at computers. Some of you sew. Some of you care for children. Some of you are taking care of your household. And some of you uh, are unable to work, but whatever you're able to do, you work at it. Maybe you're no longer physically capable, but you still labor for the things of God and the things in your life to maintain your family. The second thing we're to do is to protect what we labor for, to protect what we create so that it is sustained. How many of you know that if you don't take care of things, everything will begin to crumble? You can drive down neighborhoods and see people who are just not taking care of their lawns. Nature will overgrow everything. Everything will move. You have to maintain. And so we need to protect what God has given us and what we've been trying to uh, uh, create in our lives. You have to protect it. There is also evil in the world that would love to kill, steal, and destroy what you have been laboring over. And our goal is to become fruitful. I want to, I want to, it's not about having more possessions, but I want to be more fruitful in my life in my later years than I was at the beginning. We didn't have much. My wife and I had a starter home. It ends up it's going to be our finisher home too. 
as we had children, we would add rooms. Now I have a house that's bigger than the two of us need. So why move? But you have to be fruitful, you have to sustain, you have to provide. These three things operate in what is our labor, what we're trying to accomplish. Everyone in this room is trying to accomplish a fruitful labor to produce something. Now, we know that the most important things that we're to produce are relationships and love and care one for another. That's the most productive. The world says he who has the most toys wins, right? The one who has the most gold rules. No. We've seen time and time again that people who have more things just have more problems, So we need to, in each of our own unique ways, cultivate what God has given us through our creativity, through our labors, through our talents and gifts. We need to sustain it, protect it, and we want it to become fruitful. Those are the things we want to do. But you have to, in order to do that, you have to maintain a balance. Some people are what are called workaholics. Have you heard of a workaholic? They're just always laboring, always working. In fact, their self-worth and their self-value comes from what they do. And if they're not doing, then they don't feel that they're worth anything. That's sad because you know who defines our value? God. He so loved us that he gave his son. He, He values us. He wants us to produce more of his love. But some people get caught up in workaholic. They work too much. Then you have folks on the other side. They don't do nothing. (laughs) Click, click, click. That's too little. Life needs to have a healthy balance, and God understood that. For those who work too much, the workaholic, the Lord commanded man to rest. To rest. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God gave us the rest that we need. You can work six days, but you need to take a break. Why? To sustain our well-being, but most of all, to sustain our relationship with God. You know that you can get so caught up in doing that you forget about Him? I'm busy right now. (laughs) Right? And so the Sabbath, God wants a rhythm in our lives where we regularly rest so that we will enjoy the labors we've been given. I'll never forget being in China, ministering to the church, the Christian church in China. And in China, a communist country... Uh, not interested in God, an atheist country with no interest to God, a ministry, Christian ministry, had a factory there and they were trying to train the Chinese people about work and rest as God has designed it. And so they had the company set up to work six days and they would rest on the resurrection day, on Sunday. And the workers, this was so against their culture and their understanding that they were upset about that. I could be working today and making money for my family. Why would I rest? 
And they tried to teach because you need to take time to consider God and consider who you are in the make of all things. Many of them would on that day go to another place and work. But after a year, they began to see the benefit to their family. Their family life improved. Why? They would spend time together. They would rest and have meals together. They would begin to enjoy rest. They would begin to see God as creator. They began to hear the gospel through nature and through even Sabbath rest and taking that break. And it had a huge impact. They no longer wanted to go out and find another job. They loved their job. While all their neighbors were laboring seven days a week, they took that day to rest. God does that. If you want to be good at working and laboring, make sure you rest. I'll never forget when I started working at General Motors, I was a clay modeler sculpting cars. And I was, uh, in the first six months I was there, and I was going to be uh, appraised after my uh, first six months. And when I went for my first appraisal, my boss said, you know what, you need to drink more coffee. I'm worried about keeping my job. I said, I don't understand. He says, you're working too much. Your face is in the job too much. I said, I don't drink coffee. He said, that's not the point. (laughs) Get up, get away from your work so that you can think and see it with a clear eye. Rest is important to labor. We must labor, but we must not overdo it to where it's our only pursuit. Then, of course, we have the sin of sloth or laziness. You see it throughout all the book of Proverbs. Proverbs says that lazy people want much but get little. But those who work hard will what? Prosper. It's the law of reciprocity. What you sow, you will reap. The more you sow, the more you'll reap. Take your rest in all of that. But we must work. In fact, Paul said this to the church at Thessalonica. They were known to be lazy He said, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Messiah to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. You're responsible to take care of you. Parents, the best thing you can do is teach your children to be workers, laborers, to sustain their lives. You don't want them living in your house when they themselves could be laboring. Does this make sense? Everyone should be trained to work. Whatever that work is, however you can do it. Of course there are limitations physically, mentally, emotionally, problems that people have, but we can encourage one another to labor because there is benefit to this. So the balance in all of this is to make sure we keep it balanced from too much labor or not enough. You're responsible for that balance. 
Have you ever been out of balance? Now every now and then you've got to work overtime. Every now and then you have to work too much, but you pull back and recoup, right? So the first thing we must do is cultivate, learn to labor. And Paul says this, but let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not to his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Should I have you say that with me? For each will have to bear his own load. You are responsible by God. You are responsible. He gave you the ability to labor, to work. You are to cultivate, protect, and be fruitful. Cultivate, sustain, and bear fruit. That's what you're to do. And so, as we do that, each one of you is responsible to be self-sustaining as best you can. Now, we know that in Scripture there are people who could not self-sustain, and God made provision for them. In the Old Testament, there were the laws of gleaning, where when you were gleaning your, your uh, crops and your fields, whatever you dropped and whatever was on the fringes, you left alone for those who, for some reason, could not labor, could not work, but they had to labor, get to the field, and get the food. It wasn't delivered. And so we have to take responsibility for ourselves and help each other and help those who cannot. And so we need to balance it, to provide resources to supply the necessities of life. I hope you're doing that and supplying your life. How many of you remember when you, you, you're single and you have a job, so you're sustaining your life and you need a place to sleep and to live, don't you? So you get some kind of a home and then you need some kind of transportation or you can take the bus or you can walk. But you have to sustain a lifestyle. That is the goal for each one of us to develop. Now, as you're able to balance that and sustain it, then sometimes you add to it because you can handle that. And so some of you get married. And then two of you working together as one begin to sustain and begin to grow. And then you need to protect what you're adding to it to provide for a quality of life, for growth and maturity. Now you're married. Now uh, you're going to start producing. Now you have in your laboring, you're laboring at a job to provide money to pay for your house and to pay for your car. And you and your spouse are trying to maintain this new thing. And you don't want to work too much because if, if you're not working well enough, your marriage may fail. And if you're not working at all, your marriage may fail. Or if you are working, your marriage may fail. <laughs> so you've always got to keep the balance, don't you? How many of you find this a, a, a full-time job? Life. How many of you find life to be? Yeah. Yeah. And we all look on our phones and, and we all look at the famous stars and the rich people and we go, oh, I wish I had that. Look at that house. Oh, they're at the beach again? Oh, wow. He married her? <laughs> you know what I call that? Sucking life through a straw. This thing's fake. And you don't know what those people are going through to maintain 
the illusion that they have. You have real life. You possess real life. So sustain it, work it, labor it. It's not going to prosper unless you work at it. We must labor, so we protect, we sustain, and then we add to it. Maybe children will come along. Oh my goodness. That is something else, isn't it? One is enough. Then two, oh, three, forget about it. You're, over, you're outnumbered now. Four, five. Some of you have ten. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. Now you're trying to balance your marriage with your, with your children and their future and sustain for them. They need shoes. They need clothes. And you need a, a job. You want to grow and improve. You're trying to sustain and labor at your job and come home and labor on your lawn and labor with your neighbor. And uh, neighbor labor is hard too. And... Try to get all of this balanced, right? That's Labor Day. That's why we're celebrating. Thank you, Jesus. God help us. It can get out of whack, but we continue to do what God said. Because of the thorns and thistles and the sweat of our brow, we still cultivate and sustain and protect what we have. And hopefully, what we started with through all of this labor will begin to provide fruit. That's where you begin to increase. That's your spouse getting bigger, balancing it all out. That's your marriage growing and strengthening. And, and you have to grow together. You know, you've heard this saying, sometimes people grow apart. So this cultivating and sustaining is never ending. I tell young married couples when they first get married, you'll never reach a point where you can coast People think, oh, we'll just, we're going to get to a point where it's just love and love's going to be great all the time. You can never stop laboring in your marriage, never stop laboring in your parenting. You can never stop laboring with finance. Some of you are retiring. You've still got to cultivate it, still got to work at it. It just doesn't appear. And so, how do we be fruitful? Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. This is the other aspect of God, why God wants us to be fruitful. Do you know why God wants Christians to be fruitful? To help others. This is the demonstration of Christ. We are not to be hoarders. We are not to just keep building. You know, this prosperity gospel is a real problem for the church. Where we're hoarding and having more and more. True prosperity is that God blesses you and you give it to others. And God finds a faithful channel to bless so that you can help those who are in need. Help those who are poor. Help those who cannot cultivate and sustain. The Christians are those who are laboring hard, working hard. Employers want Christians because they are cultivating, sustaining a good work ethic. They're showing up on time. They're not stealing things. They're taking proper breaks. They're there because they're sustaining and cultivating a Christian testimony. And once they have what they need to sustain their family, their excess, their giving... That's Christianity. That's what we labor. 
That's the gospel. Sometimes we get away from that. How many of you know that? But again, balance. It's a stress. It's hard. It's hard. Here it is Sunday, and you got to sleep in till 10 o'clock today. Some of you had to come early, I know. (laughs) But we labor, don't we? Can I tell you the secret to cultivating, to sustaining, and to being fruitful? The secret to maintaining all of this is God. It's putting God first in your finance, in your labor, in your work. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added to them. God will balance your workload if you put him first. The days when you're overworking, God will remind you to go home to your wife or to your husband or take care of your kids. God will remind you, enough rest, get up, let's go, and let's take care of things. God in your stewardship. You know, the money that you make, the first thing you do with that money is you set aside an amount that you're going to give to the kingdom of God. And it will provide for you the rest of your resources and finance. So you give first to God. You think first in the morning, not what am I going to do at work, but God, how can I hear your voice? God, first in all things. Let me share with you some verses. Whatever you do, work heartily. Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Really? Yeah, when you go to uh, cut lawns for a living, you're cutting that lawn as if that lawn is to the glory of God. You're a bank teller, and when you get behind that seat and you're doing uh, transactions with people, you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a high priest in that bank for the kingdom of God. You treat your co-workers as God would have you treat them. You're not working for you. You're not working for them. You're working for him. That's the balance. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, when you get that in your heart, You no longer tire over the toil. You recognize God will strengthen you. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. That's the difference. It's no longer based on your abilities, your strength. Paul said this, I labor, I struggle, but it's with his energy that powerfully works in me. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Did you know that you are anointed to work? You're anointed to labor. You're anointed to continue and to to steward what God has given you. And he will make you fruitful. Last of all, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Christians, we're supposed to be Christians always. We're supposed to be showing up as evidence of Jesus always. No matter what your job is, when you smash your finger with a hammer, you don't respond the way everybody else responds. You begin to praise God. (laughs) 
Okay, he's working on that. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is working in all of us so that we will represent the kingdom of God well. Can you agree with that? God wants us to labor. Without labor, nothing prospers.